travels throughout different nations in Africa and even to countries afar off in the UK like Wales. <laughs> and there's a prophetic word over his life that has seen him move into territories where previously doors were closed and now are open. So we have brought him to you at great expense, all the way from Lancaster. Would you receive this man as a preacher of God? Praise God. Can you, can, you hear me, can you hear me clearly? Can you hear me clearly? Okay. Well, I've been told in advance I should try really hard to speak slowly today. <laughs> so at some point, if I, if, I, if I start going too fast, Katie, just do like this. Yeah, that's right. And get in place. God is good, you know. Yes. It's absolutely amazing. And um, there will be a second call today. So Ian gave a first call for people to come out. At the end of service today, there will be a second call. So the first call was for healing, physical healing. And the second call would be for spiritual healing. Okay? So that's going to happen after service today. Um, so, 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 something quite interesting happened. So I was in Nigeria. I was over a week ago now. And I got a text message from Ian. So I was supposed to preach last Sunday. Okay? Then he says in this text, that, um, Oh, Akin, I had an, an impression by the Holy Spirit. Could you not preach this Sunday? Because something has come up. And I'd like to call the church to a fast and pray. So that's fine. So I responded, I was, I was in Nigeria at the time. I said, that's fine, yeah, that's okay. Then um, you've obviously experienced the fasting and praying session uh, this week. But what that was happening, something hit me. Okay? And I'll just print a picture, and you can, you can tell me what you think it is. So during the fasting and praying session, um, for example, I will hear Geraldine say, so what is currently happening with Katie? And she'll give information, and then we'll pray. And then, um, I think it was on, on Wednesday or, two, or Thursday, Chris wasn't around. And then Ian asked his wife and said, so has he had any diagnosis? What's happening? Then she would give information. Then they would pray. So there was a mixture of information, intelligence, and strategy. Who can tell me which group of people used that the most? God bless you, sir. The army. Okay? The army are really good with information, intelligence, and strategy. Now, today I'll be talking about the Christ as an army. The church as an army. Okay? But I'll probably take it from a very strange perspective. So if you open your Bibles with me to the book of Ezekiel, it's a very popular place. Ezekiel chapters 37.
Ezekiel 37 from verse um, 1 to 10. Quickly. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause bread to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. And so I prophesied, and as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon, upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and said to the breath, Thus said the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breath on this slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came upon them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Isn't that a contradiction? A big gap between the first picture and the last picture. So, if someone asked you and said, oh, there was a valley full of bones, what would be the first thing that comes to your mind? So, imagine you were Ezekiel, okay? And God lifted you in the spirit. And it's quite a strange place for the spirit of God to take somebody to. You probably think it should take you to this nice, lovely Bahamas island. With lots of, you know, nice drinks and lovely atmosphere and a blue sea. But the Spirit of the Lord took his prophet and set him in a strange location. Pretty dark, isn't it? A valley of dry bones. When you see a bone, what comes to your mind? Come on, you guys, you watch CSI. I'm sure you do. When you see a bone, what comes to your mind? Yeah? Somebody had died. Okay? Okay. So, if you saw a bone, the negative guy would say, well, oh, it's just a state of depression. It's a hopeless state. But a spiritual man would see a human being that's lost hope. So my point is, it's a potential for restoration. So the evidence of dry bones is a potential for restoration. Because the reason why they became dry shows to you that they were not dry before. They had flesh. Does that make sense? So the bones is an evidence that there was, there was living. They, they were living before. So something happened that made them stop living to the point where they deteriorated into bones. Okay? So that's the picture in your mind. That's important. But I'm, I'm going to come to that shortly. When you, when you hear valley, valley is normally like a stretch of land between two mountains. Okay? So you go on the mountain and back in the valley. But what does that mean? It means there is a potential mountain 
after the valley. You see where I'm going with that? Okay? So David spoke about um, the Lord took me, say, uh, 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 Psalms 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He may come to lie down in green pastures. They what? Let me the still waters. He will still my soul. He led me in the path of righteousness for me. Say, even though I walk through what? The valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. So why would God take you through a valley? Why would God take his children or his prophet into a valley? You know the reason why? Because the prophet is the substance or the resource to cause the transformation, the change. You don't like to go to those kind of difficult situations or go around those kind of negative situations. But you first fail to realize that actually the reason you are there is because you are the agent of change. So Ezekiel might not like the idea. They probably it was thinking. It was very uncomfortable. It was dark. Valley of bones. What am I doing here? But he didn't realize what the plan was. He was an agent of change in God's process of restoration. But that revelation was to come afterwards. So at the point where he reached, imagine the Spirit of God took him and he got into the valley. Maybe he didn't hear anything first. What, what was going through his mind? What am I doing here? Why should I be here? Why are you in your place of work? Why are you in your place of work? Where around you is despair and sorrow. Where to your left are guys or people with need. To your right, people with desperation. Wanting the hope. Why are you in that location at this point in time? You are the agent of change. When you wake up in the morning and go to work, I mean, we'll be having a God on work session for some time now. You don't quite like your job, maybe. It's, it's, it's quite boring. But actually, God sees work a bit higher than that. You are going there because you are the agent of change in someone's life. You see where I'm going with this? Okay. Something quite interesting. When Ezekiel was taken through the valley, the Bible said that he was taken around, he noticed something. Not only were they bones, they were very dry. Why was that important? Okay, I'll paint a picture. If somebody came to you and said, okay, um, um, Katie, okay, see in that location, this nice body, okay, but it's, it's just a wounded body. Can we pray for God to revive that body? So it's a human being. Second picture. Katie, on the right-hand side, there are bones, and not just bones, they are pretty dry. Can we pray for God to revive them? Which would you need more faith for? <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? Which would you require more faith for? So, the first picture is this, this gentleman just sat down there. He's probably injured, but he's living. He's okay. He's still very chubby. 
but it's injured in his prayer. And on the, on the right hand side, it's skeleton, okay? total skeleton. Not just skeleton, it's properly dry. And you're asked to pray. Which might you be tempted to pray for? <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Okay? Do you remember when um, the Bible says that the children of Israel were being pursued? Let's, I, think, I think we should read it. It's quite an interesting place. I like, I, like, I like us to read it. So open to Exodus, okay, 14. I always believe God is a comedian. I think so. I think he's a comedian. He's got a, my, an amazing sense of humor. I mean, God. So look at Exodus, Exodus 14, verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may save the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to save the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the, Lord, to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. When that happened, okay, it was clear to the children of Israel that because it was, it would have been impossible otherwise, it had to be the hand of God. If God saved them, when the children of, I mean, the Egyptians were still far away, it's okay. But imagine the situation they were in, where before there was the Red Sea, and right behind them, they could see the guys marching down, was the Egyptians. So my question is, why does God sometimes allow his children to get to those kind of situations? Where it gets pretty tough. You can't understand why. It's like a dramatist. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like an artist. Because when his salvation and miracle does come, even you will know that this had had to be the hand of God. It had to be the hand of God. Okay? Back to Ezekiel. So, Ezekiel, in the valley of dry bones, they were very dry. Now, to make it worse, so this is somebody who was appreciated that the bones are pretty dry. Okay? And then God poses a question. I don't know why he does that. And he does that often. Now I will show you. He goes, son of man, <laughs> can these bones live? Did you see that? Son of man, can these bones live? Is it because he didn't know if the bones could live? Why do you think he asked Ezekiel that question? There is something about the prophetic. The prophetic. There is something about the testimony of your lips. 
God needs to hear you say it. So something interesting happened. It was on, on Thursday. So we were praying for Ian. And I was praying in my, I think, under my breath. And by the Holy Spirit, Sarah turned to me and said, speak it out. And it hit me that that's true. You need to speak it out. There is something powerful about speaking things out in the Spirit. It's absolutely crucial. The Spirit of the Word, the Spirit of a spoken Word. And so, God needed to engage His servant, like God wants to engage us this morning. Okay? Follow me. Children of God, can those bones in your office, in your place of work, in Lancaster, can they live again? Ian is speaking about the call of God on kings as a change agent for the city. Have you gone around? People are in despair. Have you, have you watched the telly? There is sorrow and confusion all around. Or look at the political dimension. Nobody expected for the elections to go the way it did. That was a, a shocker. There's inconsistency all around. People are wondering whether they're going to have a next, next meal. There is sorrow in this place. And God is posing the question to you this morning. Son of man, can these bones live? What is your response? Can these bones live again? I'm not hearing you. Can these bones live again? Okay. If these bones can live again, there is something you need to do. Okay? It doesn't just stop with just saying, yeah, it's nice, it can live again. God, there's, it's a prescription. Okay? So when you, talk, when you, if you look at the army, how many of us have been in the army? Many of you been in the army? Fantastic. Now, I was talking about intelligence and strategy. Okay? Strategy actually happens in three ways. So you have, there's actually a mission, then there's a set of actions, and then resources to make the actions possible. That's strategy. So there's a mission. You now concord some actions for that mission. You now back it up with resources to make the actions possible. That is strategy. So, when God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel was like, in his naivety, well, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> he said, Lord, you know. Then, the next thing was action. So, God says, prophesy to these bones. So, it's an action. So, we all agree these bones can live. You can cause an impact in your environment. We can cause a revolution, a transformation, a restoration in Lancaster. But for that to happen, there is an action required from us. It starts with the prophetic. Can these bones live again? If they can live again, the Bible says prophesy to these bones. All week, we've been prophesying to physical bones. Infirmity, 
physical infirmity. What God is showing us this morning that he wants us to prophesy in the spiritual. You see where I'm going with this? Okay? You see the, the enthusiasm with which you prayed for Katie. And God was showing me this. Enthusiasm. Because you love Katie, don't you? Don't we love Katie? Yes. Of course we do. Well, there you go. We love Katie. We love Chris, don't we? Yes. And I could see, I could see the, I could see the enthusiasm in people's tummy when they were praying for him. That's for a physical infirmity. And God was showing me, would we have the same enthusiasm in people's tummy to pray for people's spiritual infirmity? Can I explain what that means? Spiritual infirmity is physical, literally people that are not born again. You're not born again. You've got a spiritual infirmity. You are spiritually sick. You're not born again. It's as simple as that. Okay? So just the way you pray for people to get healed in the physical, there is an action for people to get healed in the spiritual when they do get born again. So God is as interested in the physical as he is in the spiritual. Okay? I'd like us to read um, Genesis 18, verse, verse 13. I think God does this many times when it looks very impossible. He asks us a question because he wants to hear the confession of our lips. Genesis 18, verse 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I bear, shall I bear a child since I'm old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's a question. So God is asking Abraham, is there anything too hard for me to do? God asks, asks no question this morning because he wants to hear our proclamation. What is your response to God's question? You are okay. But are others okay? You're born again. Are others born again? If they're not born again, they're dry bones. Can these dry bones live again? We agree they can. So, but there is an action for that to happen. Okay? Now, I'm going to run you through in the spiritual. So, I love the book of Genesis. You know why I love the book of Genesis? Because it always paints a picture of God's original intention for man. It's such a powerful book. So when you miss the point as you go on in man's history, just track it back to what was the original intention in the beginning when God made man. Because something happened when man failed and things went to haywire. So let's track it back. So open to Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fishes of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle of all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know what that is? That is the original the proclamation, the original intent. You know, when you, when you see a manufacturer who makes a car, you always have the manufacturer's manual, don't you? So if anything happens about the car, it's not, don't, you don't get it. What do you do? You go back to the manual. What was the intention of the manufacturer when he put this little button on your car? The button is, is been, it's been funny these days. Instead of, when you press one, it says two. Was that the intention of the manufacturer? Well, to know that, go back to the manual. The intention when God created man from Genesis is he blessed him and said what? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, to show you that is the same intention, let's go further. So, after Genesis, when God made that proclamation, okay, you remember that what happened? There was a fall of man and Noah's error. And God wiped the face of the earth. Okay? Let's see if the intention changed. So open to Genesis chapter 9. I want to show you something. Genesis chapter 9. So this is after the flood, when God wiped the whole face of the earth. Okay? Then God had to create, set up a new covenant with Noah. What did he say? So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth and every bird of the air, on all that move on the ground and all the fish of the sea. They are given in your hand. Did you see that? It's the same manufacturer's manual on the new dimension, the new era. As I go, wipe the face of the earth. And Noah began the second process. And God said, listen guys, I may have wiped the earth and everything has gone chaotic, but actually, my intention is still the same. The reason I made you is to be fruitful and multiply. Let's track it back. So when Abraham came on the scene, do you know what God told, told Abraham? Well, let's read it. Genesis 12. What was God's covenant to Abraham? Now the Lord, verse 1, 12 verse 1. Now the Lord God said, I said to Abraham, Get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. It shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. It's what it says. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So it is from him there will be a blessing to others. 
That's the act of multiplication. He's bringing forth. Okay. If you read through the scriptures and go track it down, after when Christ came on the scene, okay, let's see the first thing he did. Let's see if the manual has changed. That's important for us. Luke chapter 4. I'm sure you know that Christ is the second Adam. Do you know that? Jesus Christ is the second Adam. Bible calls him the second Adam. So just, just the way God made Adam in the beginning, Christ is the beginning of the new creation. Okay? Luke 4. Verse 16 to 20. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. That's Christ. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the broken heart and to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And they began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled. Be fruitful and multiply. That's the act of birth, isn't it? Fruitful and multiplies is, is, is bringing forth, is giving birth. Okay? So, as a matter of fact, when Christ came on the scene, he maintained the same premise of the reason why God made man. But now in the spiritual. You are born again, aren't you? Because you've been brought to life, you're brought forth. And the Bible actually even specifies and says clearly that through you, all that should be born again. Yeah. It's the act of fruitfulness. So my point is, the biggest disease, spiritual disease, get me right? The biggest, the most harmful spiritual disease, spiritual, spiritual disease, is spiritual barrenness. Is if you're not able to be fruitful, to multiply, then you are sick. Get my point? Because I've tracked it down. The reason why God made man is to be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful and multiply. When Christ came on the scene, he maintained the same category. To have dominion, to influence, to reproduce. So that means if you're not reproducing, I think we need to take you back to the manufacturer. <laughs> did, did, did you see my point? If the manufacturer's manual, you were created to be fruitful and multiply. To Adam, it was in the physical. When Christ came, the same track is in the spiritual. Why do you think all he spoke about was go preach, go preach? Did you watch Peter and the disciples? 
It was almost as if those guys didn't have a job. They woke up in the morning thinking of preaching. The next city, the next place, there's the next person to, to, to tell about Christ for conversion. In their blood and in their bone, their bones was was very strong. The the, the 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 role and job, the commission of being fruitful. They tied Paul up. As they released him, the next thing he went to was the street to go and do the same reason why they tied him up. And you keep wondering, have you read the book of Acts? Didn't these guys think of anything else? Why was the act of preaching and being an influence to other people's lives and getting them to Christ, how was it so important? That's because they were operating within the boundaries of a manufacturer's manual. That is the reason why they were created. Can you imagine a Toyota car you, you, that you turn on the engine and it's coughing? Or it's giving funny sounds? What would you do? You take it back to the manufacturer. Like, guys, this is not what I paid you for. We're supposed to be having a smooth ride. When the purpose of a creation is not being fulfilled, you're supposed to go back to the manufacturer. If the God's creation, God's plan, God's function for you was to be fruitful and multiply, and you're not doing that, I'm sorry, we need to get back to the manufacturer. That's how I was telling you in the beginning. There's going to be a second call afterwards. You know why? Because the manufacturer is here. Hallelujah! God is here. You don't need to go out. He's not in, Corey's, in the Corey's backyard. He's not behind the sugar, sugar house. The manufacturer, your manufacturer, is here. God is here. And so if the reason you were created is not being carried out, he wants to fix it today. That's why I said in the beginning, there's going to be a second call. Now, Christ made it very clear. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled. That's why I'm here. That's why nothing else mattered to him. It kind of happens that for some reason, as time progressed, man, or we have seemed to have lost track of the original intention of a manufacturer when we were created. Because we've gotten so busy with work and analysis and, and, and politics and, 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 and so many things. Does it mean that the origin or the basis for your creation has changed because of many things all around. I don't think so. Okay? A Toyota, sorry I keep calling Toyota, it's not if I have Toyota as a car, but for some reason. See, a Toyota will still maintain its function, whether in a bad or good road. Might be staggering, but the ultimate intention of a car is to move you from one place to the other. So, think about yourself as a creation. Okay? And as a creation, your specification, your role, 
was to impact lives. Was to be fruitful and multiply. If you think that is not happening, then something is wrong somewhere. Do you agree with me? And so we need to get back to the manufacturer today. That includes me, by the way. Let me show you something. In Luke 5, I, cannot, I love that part of the scripture. Because this happened immediately after Christ came on the scene. It was one of the first miracles he did. So let's read it. Luke chapter 5. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two bulls standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Then he stopped speaking. He said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay on the net. And when he did, had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, both, both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so all were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Be not afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Did you see that? He's taking them back to the or, their original, the, 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 the original intention why they were made. It was to catch men. It was to impact lives. So even after all this, he said, that's all nice and good. You've got a job. See my point? You've got a job as a fisherman, catching fishes. But from now on, I really would like you to start catching men because that is the actual origin, the reason why you were made. Don't you think it's almost cruel, cruel, if you have been born again and you were saved? And you are the basis for someone else's salvation. That's not happening. That's actually almost cruel. Don't you think? If you wake up in the morning and you're not moved by impacting other people's lives and bringing them to Christ to enjoy the benefits you now enjoy, that's quite cruel. I don't mind using the word, but that's true. Can these bones live again? Can they live again? Well, if they can live again, then prophesy to the bones. If they can live again, then what is stopping you from prophesying to the bones? That they may live. 
it's quite, it's quite interesting because the prophecy on kings is that they will come in trickles. And afterwards, there will be an explosion. This is what happened in, in Ezekiel. The first thing that happened is that there were sinews. It just came, it came, it came as sinews, and then you had flesh. You keep wondering, why is it not happening? Why wasn't there a massive explosion? I mean, if after the prophecy, couldn't the bones just be converted straight to mighty army without any process? No. God is a God of process. God is a God of process. Okay? So it came gradually. But you can see that it's a developmental change. So if Ezekiel was asleep and woke up, oh, wait a minute. There were dry bones before. Now they are wet bones. Okay? He goes out to sleep and wakes up again. Oh, there were wet bones before. Now the bones have got sinews. See my point? It puts a premise to depend on God for the next thing. It, it, it puts a premise to depend, depend on God. Because if God made the dry bones become wet bones, he probably can make the wet bones have sinews. If God made the wet bones have sinews, but I'm sure he should be able to make sinews have flesh. If now they have flesh, I'm, I'm confident he can go a step further and make the flesh have skin. Now they have skin. Come on. Now I'm super confident because, see, where, how do you know what God will do? Check what he has done. How you know what God will do is find out what he has done. Okay? It's, it's the faith you need for the next step. You're probably wondering, that guy in your place of work, he's got no hope. No, no, don't say so. Just start the stage. Just start the process. Start with the prophecy. Speak to him. When you are in your house, pray for him. Don't think about how the conversion would be from a dry bones to a mighty army. It's quite a big stretch. No, think about it step by step. Just say for now, even if your faith carries you that the dry bones become a wet bone, it's good enough. But still prophesy. If the faith you have is that the dry bone or the wet bone now has some sinews on it, then work on that. Leave the process of complete transformation to God. It's in your business. Ezekiel had no business in the process. The only business he had was he believed God's word and prophesied. How it's going to happen was in his business. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. How, how is that guy's life going to be fixed? No, just do your bit. Prophesy. Go on your knees and pray for them. And keep praying for them. Don't wake up in the morning and go, well, ooh, I prayed yesterday, nothing has happened. Uh, I won't bother no more now. No, no, you, you, you've, 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 you've left your own responsibility and you're dabbling in God's responsibility. It's God's job to do the transformation. Ezekiel's job was to prophesy. It's pretty simple. Leave God to do, do the business. Your partnership, you know when you have a partnership contract in business, you tell you, this is this guy's responsibility, that guy's responsibility, this second partner's responsibility. Now, it's a breach of contract if this partner starts doing the other partner's responsibility. That's what happens when, when things go wrong. 
is because you dabble into God's dimension. Just do your bit. Speak that word of encouragement. Tell someone about Christ. Pray for somebody. Let it be constantly on your heart. How it's going to happen shouldn't concern you. That's God's business. Praise God. The restoration process. We are blessed. You know why we are blessed? Because at the end of the process, what happened was that there was a great mighty army. We are an army. An army that is blessed because we have intelligence. You know what's intelligence? The Holy Spirit gives us intelligence. So you know what to pray for. How to pray for it. We also have strategy. The Holy Spirit gives us strategy. What we, all we did this week was intelligence with strategy. What was the strategy? Let's fast and pray. We stop at this time and come into church at so and so time. That is strategy. It's a whole line of work. In the same vein, God is about to take us to a new level. As an army, we are about to storm Lancaster. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. As an army, we are about to storm Lancaster. Amen. There is a restoration about to take place. Are you keyed in? Are you in place? Let me show you. Uh, in closing now, you probably know that song. Okay? I don't know who wrote the song, but it's a very popular song. It says, in the warfare that is raging for the truth and for the right. When the conflict fears is raging with the powers of the night, God needs people, soldiers, brave and true. May God depend on you. Praise God. We're going to, you know that call I told you about? The call. So if you feel that uh, as a creation, your duty or the function, the role of you yourself as a creation, which should be fruitful and multiply, is not happening. I'd like you to come out and meet with the manufacturer this morning. As the, the singers, uh, the worship group can go back and, and sing. When that happens. If you think you need a touch from God to get you back in line with why God made you to be a blessing to others, to preach God's word, to be fruitful and multiply. I like it to come.